Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. And what we do is we continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. It is Thursday. That means Jenny Swaggart comes along from Tremont, Illinois. And uh, are you celebrating the New Year, Jenny, or what do you got going on there? Oh, yeah. I'm it looks ready. like maybe you started a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> You know. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the program, like, I mean, this would be the third time since third May. Time. Margie has joined us. Margie Lamb yes. from just south of Oklahoma City, where every cattleman wants to be this week. Oklahoma City. <laughs> Big cattle show going on in Oklahoma City. Did you know that? I heard about it. Yes. My husband wants to go. He should. Yeah. I mean, we he's are- watching. He's washed a pig. He should I be know. able to wash. He should be able to wash and lead a calf. He should be able, yeah. He should be able to go there and help out wherever he's needed. <laughs> We're gonna turn yep. him into a rancher before long. I I think so. I think so. <laughs> he's, he's halfway there. Well, we invited Margie to come back because we want to talk about these New Year's resolutions. And no. I'm gonna no. read. A tweet. <laughs> I that I don't think I've ever made it. Re- yes, I did make a resolution once. Okay. It was on January second, about three years ago. I had a resolution that I would start loose from the hip and do it every day. Oh, and you've stuck with that too. Um. Yeah, I don't get it done every day, but it's still there. That's good. That's good. Well, Mister Just a Cowpoke says thought from the saddle which he does some on twitter he does some really cool thoughts from the saddle um he says it's that time of the year for people to say new year new me and resolutions why does it take the turning of a calendar for you to better yourself why not work on improving yourself every day i really thought that that went in well with some of the things that we want to talk about today. Myself, I don't set New Year's resolutions. Um, I think back in the day I did, but I got to a point where, like Trent, you had mentioned, by the 15th, the resolution's already outside the door. And Uh, so I do monthly goals instead. I'm confident, and I could look it up, but I'm confident 85% of all resolutions are defunct by the 15th of January. So, Mar- yeah. Margie, where do you stand on them? Um, I'm I'm kind of fifty fifty on them. There's, I think, it's a good it's good to seize any opportunity that you have motivation wise to start something new. I think that where people's resolutions end up failing them is they go too big, mm-hmm. and by that I don't mean like their goal for the year is too big but that they're thinking about taking on too much at one given time. And so I think resolutions can be positive. It can be not so great for people. Um, However, I think that many people are just going about them wrong. And I kind of like what you said, Jenny, where you're taking on monthly goals or you have monthly focuses. And I think that is a great way to start breaking up maybe an overarching goal that you have for the new year into smaller manageable chunks. And I'd even go further than that. And, and we do as well in our household and taking it weekly 
and, you know, 52 weeks break down those larger goals into something manageable and bite-sized that also helps you in a way, because a lot of reason why goals fail, or I believe goals fail, is that you're not reaching them. If you're, if you have a year long goal, you're not really reaching them until the end of the year. There's no incentive. There's no joy. There's no, um, pat on the back to keep you going through it. But if you can accomplish these mini goals throughout the year, once a week, you start building up that confidence of, Hey, I'm doing it. I'm on my way. And I'm, I'm continuing to work towards this kind of bigger overarching goal. I think that is a lot more motivating for people. And that tends to be a lot of the reason why people fall off. What's your goal for the third week of October, 2021? <laughs> you should ask my husband that because uh, he's the planner. We, we always I joke about that. Like, he's the structured one that wants to know what dinner is going to be next Friday night. And I'm, I, I don't know those things, <laughs> but it is great way to break up. And, you know, I'll, I'll do sometimes quarterly, like, goals versus a whole year goal. And so for the quarter, I'm focused on something and then I can break it down monthly and then weekly. Um, But every goal you have should be headed in a direction towards an overall larger goal that you have. Margie, you just brought up a point that I don't think I'd ever really considered. Uh, Let's just take, if you have a, a health coach, I've often thought, you know, you, you can, you know what right and wrong is. It's just yeah. a matter of doing it. But maybe the bo- most important thing about a health coach is the positive reinforcement once little goals are achieved. And that obviously applies to every aspect of our life. If you're not getting positive reinforcement, you maybe lose a percentage of your drive. Yes, you do. That's a huge, huge, huge contributor to staying on and maintaining some of your goals and the progress that you're making towards them. If you don't celebrate the little progress, you're not going to continue on with it. And yeah, I'd say that is one good way, you know, a health coach can do that for you. Um, They can also help you break your bigger goals up into smaller goals as well. All right. You just given me the idea for a New Year's resolution that I'm actually going to commit to right here live on the air. I'm going to be that motivator for other people more often. When I see somebody doing something and that that they're maybe they're doing a good job breeding livestock, I'm just going to send a little note and say, boy, I really appreciate what you're doing with that line of Hereford cattle, whatever the case may be. I really like that. I think that truly Margie and Wong that they have been like my cheerleaders through COVID. Like they've sent me little notes and little packages and, um, you know, and other people, Vincent, sent me a calendar and um you know it just made me feel like people are thinking about me and hoping that you know things get better and they are getting better there's just you know that feel like you're getting kicked in the butt but those motivators are really awesome oh that, I agree. that calendar is awesome too sorry margie i just had that to know because i got it one is, too it is so awesome it is yeah so did you guys see I had collected a bunch of screenshots of all sorts of these things were, came from Facebook, some came from YouTube, from Twitter, from what else did I go? I think I even have a, like a commercial TV commercial included in there. And not one of those was the same. And they're all advertisements. 
how, what are you, what do you tell someone that you're coaching to do when they're seeing all of this being bombarded at you? Oh, it's totally overwhelming. And I know health resolutions are probably one of the top three resolutions that people make in the new year. And it can be really overwhelming when you start researching, okay, how do I even start to go about my health goals for the year and what do I need? And so I always start very small with my clients. And sometimes that can be frustrating. And I start with something very basic that you should be able to do, and that's getting enough water in your day. And so based on, you know, the client's body weight, activity level, we determine how much water that should be. And you start first thing in the morning, drinking a glass of water first thing when you wake up. And if you can't accomplish that one, then we break down why. And <laughs> slowly if you can't accomplish in. that one, you're yeah. screwed. That's the, easiest, <laughs> that's the easiest one. Shocked. You would be shocked. At Come how on. And so we I start every day and end every day with a glass of water. I think it's huge. It's huge. And it's a huge difference maker. But when you start to break down those things like, okay, you are a healthy person by doing this. And it's something so simple. And that's, again, Trent, to your point, you, you start racking up those little wins. You start building out that you have an image of your, in your head of myself as a healthy person. I am this healthy person because I do these things. And they're all very simple things. Mm-hmm. It could be adding a supplement that you need into your morning routine. It can be continuing on with that water train. And then we slowly build up into the other things. We then start identifying any nutritional issues or um, ways that you can change your eating habits and then work our way up into exercise as well. But I I tell people to really listen to your body, listen to what sounds good to you. If running does not sound good to you, you're not going to do it. If you hate to run, you're not going to do it. If you like to walk, you're going to do it. So maybe walking is your exercise, you know, those, those type of things. We have to take a break. We're already to that first quarter complete health coach 101. Margie Lamb is here with Jenny and I. Before I let you go, I want to remind you about Lone Creek Cattle Company and the opportunity to be a part of a branded beef program. This is all based upon a very positive trait as well. It's the myostatin gene, actually an inactive form of the myostatin gene, which allows for rapid muscle growth and tender beef. The fibers are just smaller. It's easier to chew, and you get paid better for producing it. It's about adding value, capturing the value. Lone Creek has mastered it, and the Americanization of the Piedmontese cattle has been incredible. Details at LoneCreekCattleCo.com. We're back with more Roll Route after this. Welcome back to Rural Route, Trent Luce alongside Jenny Swigert. It is Thursday, connecting rural and urban America, literally, Tremont, Illinois. I have a meeting yes, in sir. Peoria next week, Jenny. Oh, you will? I do. I, awesome. Um, Saturday, I have a meeting in Peoria. Margie Lamb, nowhere close to Peoria, but she knows <laughs> what it means to play. Can it play in Peoria? Uh, do you have a, a ratio for the amount of water you need, you must break it down to a, a per hundred pounds of body weight or what? Yeah, there's like a formula per, I, and I, I'd have to look it up to be precise on it, but there is a formula per your body weight. And then some of it depends on age and activity level as well. Um, I myself get a gallon of water a day. I do, I do too, every day. Yeah, and I, that does not, not include, by the way, the water in my milk. 
and in my coffee. That's just straight water. Because I think you're going to tell David and Rhonda, who are piping up about getting their water and their coffee, that the diuretic component of the pesticide in your coffee called caffeine actually reduces the amount of water you utilize. So you need to supplement your water with your water and your coffee. Yes, you you should be supplementing your your coffee water with water water. <laughs> and Jenny Milk is 85% water. So, I mean, you could just right. use that water. But when I learned my brain was 80% water, I'm like, I'm going to feed that thing. It's that is That's a true. great point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know a doctor of mine said that he thinks the general public, about 75% of the general public is dehydrated. Chronically dehydrated. On a daily basis. Right, mm-hmm. right. And he credits a lot of that to coffee. But I think that there's also some really great nutritional benefits to drinking coffee as uh, well. Before Margie comments on that, is your dog dehydrated, Jenny? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or are the chickens out or what's going on there? I don't. She needs something. I'm, I've, I've texted the children and asked them to um, get her under control. Obviously, that's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently it's not working. I think I'm going to run and I'm going to take care of that. But while I am gone, can you talk about the COVID-20? Are you using, we all know what. Are you using a 45 or a 22 to take care of the dog? I'm just curious. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Before Margie goes there, she was going to answer. And I rudely interrupted uh, the nutritional benefits of coffee. Oh, yeah, that was the I, question. I think that there can be nutritional benefits. It, it somewhat depends on the bean, the quality of the bean, how it's been stored, both before it gets to you and after you get a hold of it, um, because they can mold their beans. They can mold um, when exposed to the elements. And so mm-hmm. and mold if some people are highly sensitive to. Um, so there's you know, there's always multifacets to these things, but I think there can be benefits. And I've not done a ton of research into coffee, but I've, I've heard that there can be benefits to a daily cup. Well, but yeah. Or a time, so <laughs> daily, daily pot or two. Yeah. Uh, it's like everything else, all things in moderation, mm-hmm. but I do enjoy springing on people that uh, want to go wacky on me on chemicals and they're afraid of chemicals and coffee is really just two chemicals yeah. and the two most commonly consumed chemicals in the world. One being dihydrogen monoxide, water and caffeine, which is a pesticide. Caffeine is a naturally occurring pesticide to protect the plant from insects. And so you can't be worried about chemicals and drink coffee. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I, I like my coffee. I'm a fast metabolizer of caffeine, though, too, because the other thing that, you know, you have to be kind of cautious of with the coffee is if you're sensitive to the stimulants, the caffeine, and if it elevates your stress level, then you've started to negate some of that health benefit, any health benefit you might reap. Hmm. I've been there. I I mean... I was drinking coffee. I was working about 16 hours a day, not sleeping at night. And I started having tremors and, um, you know, they were concerned about neurological issues. And once I got a set sleeping schedule, which I had asked you about earlier, 
and I cut back on the coffee. Actually, I had stopped drinking coffee altogether, believe it or not. And I fell off that wagon about <laughs> a year and a half, two years ago, I think. Um, but then, you know, just the coffee and the sleeping and, you know, taking better care of myself completely wiped out all of those neurological issues that I started having. And I didn't believe them. I'm like, why would coffee? I mean, lack of sleep. And I had listened to a podcast, um, Shailene Johnson. Oh, I know. Yeah. Um, and she had mentioned how she just pushed herself and pushed herself. And they had done a brain scan. And she, from pushing, not sleeping, and being a workaholic, it had actually damaged parts of her brain that are very important. And so when I read or I heard that, I was like, oh, okay, maybe I really need to change on that. But, you know, since then, I've fallen back. I didn't go to sleep, I don't think, till like 2 o'clock this morning. How do we get back to the basics? And why does it take the calendar <laughs> changing to get back to those basics? Um, well, you know, so I've thought about this a lot because I get this question a lot from clients. And I think when it when October hits, people get ready for the holiday season and all that that brings the the joys and the ups and sometimes the downs for people. And we all tend to take a little bit of a breather during this time, whether it be from, you know, major work or major goals. Um, and that's okay. It's healthy to take breaks. It's not healthy to stay on that break. It's not healthy to continue to fall back on old habits that you're trying to get rid of. And so, you know, you talked about it, Jenny, or you asked about it, the COVID-20, Mm-hmm. And why some people might stay on a wagon versus fall off a wagon. And I think what a lot of it boils down to in a very simplistic way is habit. It's it's making that decision that you are going to do something and continue with it. And then just deciding that you're not going to stop doing it. And then when you need a break, you you feel comfortable taking a break and coming right back into it. And I think that's why a lot of people during COVID, there was a lot of people that just stayed with their exercise routine. They just found new ways to do it because the exercise is the habit, not necessarily what exercise they're doing, but the exercise is the habit. And then there's quite a few people that use this as an opportunity for a little bit of a break. And that's, it's okay. I mean, it was all right. Well, I mean, we were all like... I mean, all of our lives were turned upside down and it's Mm -hmm. like, what do you do? And there were so many people, myself included, who started baking and cooking a lot more. And I, I got into a lot of cookie dough (laughs) and, you know, before I knew it. Cookie dough tastes better than the cookie itself. I agree. I don't know why. I don't know why. (laughs) And before I knew it, I was like gaining weight, which is abnormal for me with Crohn's. And I have literally gained 20 pounds during this time. It busted a thought that I had that cooking, home cooking is going to make you healthier. Mm -hmm. And that's not what happened in my case. 
at least. Well, first off, I mean, I'm, I feel for you. I feel what you're going through because you, I don't like seeing body changes and, you know, either myself or other people that are to the negative, something that they didn't want to happen or to occur. Um, especially if it was unexpected. Now, if it's a little bit unexpected and it doesn't sound like it is in your case, you maybe kind of expected a little bit with the increased baking and uh, maybe even a little bit of a decrease in activity level. Um, however, you know, it's not, you've recognized it and now same thing applies, right? It, you, it's not okay to stay that way. So how do you right. make the changes and what do you need to do within yourself like to find those opportunities to make change or to start building better habits? And what do those look like? Whether it's, you know, through food or whether it's through exercise or a little bit of both, better sleeping, um, better water consumption, less stress, finding ways to relax. All those things contribute to weight gain and weight loss. And so finding that right combination and getting back to some of that balance. It's, it is, it's going back to those basics. I need to be getting exercise. I know I need to be getting my water and I generally don't need to be eating a ton of food that I know is not great for me because healthy cooking or home cooking can be healthy. It can also be, not it can also so be healthy. not so healthy. Uh, we so, need, we need to take a cup of coffee and relax for just a minute or two because we've already reached our halfway point on the last broadcast ever of Rural Route in 20. 20- 20. I want to remind you about the stand at Paxson County. Maybe you want to relax in front of Netflix. The stand at Paxson County brings to light the challenges in animal ownership. Forest Films has done a great job bringing a true story with a little bit of Hollywood creative license to your living room, wherever your TV is. Netflix, the stand at Paxson County. Second half of Roll Route after this. Welcome back to Roll Route. Trent Lewis alongside Jenny Swigert joining us from Illinois, from Oklahoma, the pride and joy of the Pokes, Margie Lamb. I thought that would generate a little better response than that. But anyway, uh, so I was doing, uh, while Jenny was eating cookie dough, I was doing a little research, Jenny, into Black Leaf 40, which is a nicotine sulfite and has been banned. Grandma used to pull it, put it on geraniums in a garden to protect itself from insects, the garden from insects. What did your grandma do with her coffee grounds? My grandma, I think, threw them in her garden. Exactly. Everybody's grandma threw their coffee grounds in the garden. Yeah. They didn't know that it had the same effect as black leaf 40 because the pesticide, i.e. caffeine, would protect the plants from insects. Interesting. So you don't need black leaf 40 when you have coffee grounds. That's the moral of the story. There you go. And so many people have gone to the K-Cups. And we've just recently um, bought um, my husband's Christmas present was one of those coffee pots that has a grinder on it. So we're grinding the coffee beans. And we're actually drinking coffee beans from a Kansas coffee farmer, Derek Klingenberg. No, you're not. You can't be. So he has. He, he roasts them. What? He doesn't grow coffee in Kansas. He he may he roast coffee in Kansas, but coffee beans have Probably. to be grown on the equator. Well, in Nicaragua is yeah. where the farm is at. However, there are plants that he has started this year 
in Kansas. Really? So we'll I see gotta get how, down there and see this. Yeah, we'll have to see. Um, is, I was, does he have them in a greenhouse or some tropical effect? I think so. Um, we were planning on going. Um, Tiffany Noth, who was also on the show back in June, we were going to do a road trip, and then I got sick, so we weren't able to. But um, from pictures, that's what I'm envisioning is a greenhouse uh, type. Cool. Thing. We're going to check this out because I want to start roasting but, coffee beans myself. It's, I mean, it's, it's my New great. Year's resolution. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I don't make New Year's resolutions, and you two have now forwarded me into two of them already today. <laughs> so, what about strategies? Um, the lovely dog that was barking. Um, I went through a pretty extreme weight loss a few years ago, and part of that was because. We had this rescue dog who I love to death and, but she's a lab and she was just so energetic. And so what our daily routine became was we would go and we would walk around a pond in town. And that is what really got me kickstarted that and a gal that I found on Instagram who I thought was older than me and wasn't. And she, She's just like a year younger than me. And she was competing in weightlifting competitions. And I was like, heck, if she can do all of that, I can at least go walk. So the dog was a strategy for me. Sure. Is there other strategies that? Yes, definitely. I break it down small. So let's take the exercise example. How do you break that exercise habit? down into smaller habits that you can start with kind of like starting with a glass of water first thing in the morning. And it might sound silly, but this comes back to celebrating those little wins and starting that journey, starting that path, but start in the morning, just putting on your walking shoes. Just do that. That's a good idea. Yeah. Then don't, don't do anything. You don't even have to go for the walk. You've done what you've done for the day. And after maybe a week, maybe a little less, you're going to be like, okay, well, I've already put on the dang shoes. I might as well just go <laughs> for a quick walk, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, but, but avoid doing that the first few days. Just the first few days, just put on the shoes and celebrate that win. And then take a stroll out the door. And if, you know, walk around the block once or walk down the street and back to your house once. Then when that's a habit, and once you've established doing that, start building on it. That's how I would break it down. How long does it take to create a habit? There's some variances of opinion on this. Some Very. people say 30 days. Uh, some people say just about three weeks. Um, kind of depends on how small you're going with that habit. Hmm. So I did go to Wyoming to get a new dog, thinking that will kickstart. And actually it did until I got sick. And I'm able to slowly get back into the walking without causing too many problems with my lungs. And so I guess that's my goal for January is to get back to where I was at in late October, early November, 
Um, and then, like you said, you know, support group, there is a hashtag called no excuses. I think it was started by a gentleman named Dan Byers, who's from West Central Illinois, and he is a competitor in weightlifting as well. Um, and I had found him <laughs> through Jared McDaniel, who's in Oklahoma. <laughs> and the guy grew up with one of my best friends from college. It's just such a small world. But so I'm also, I guess, leaning in on his um, no excuses, you know, accountability. And Jared is doing the no excuses also. And, you know, posting here and there to keep people going. I like that. I, and I think it brings up another good point when it comes to building habits or sticking to resolutions. And that's just the decision that you're going to do it. Like, I think that's what's missing from most people's resolutions is that you haven't actually made up your mind quite yet that this is something you want to do. Because if you have, if you made up your mind that there's, there's no other choice, I'm doing this, then there's really nothing to take you off track. You might get off track for one day or even maybe two days, but you're going right back on it because you've already made up your mind that you're you're just doing this. This is just what's happening and that nothing's going to derail you from it. And some of that comes back to why are you doing it? Like what is right. your reason for doing what you're doing and making sure that that's a big enough why? I know that's kind of an overused thing that a lot of people tout as, you know, find your big why, but it is important to know why you're doing it. It's not enough to just say, well, I think this is going to make me healthier. So I'm going, you know, I'm going to go out and do it. No, it needs to be, this is my stress relief. This is my time to myself. I'm going to do this thing. I need it. And, and then I'm you get, and when you succeed, you get some chemical uh, benefit, right. end, endorphins in, in your yeah. brain and things that you don't want to run. You don't want to run. You go out and run. And then you're like, man, am I glad I ran? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can do it. You can create. So I hear, I have never experienced that, but that's what I hear. <laughs> You can also recreate that response, though, in many different ways. So I put on my running shoes today. That's mm -hmm. fantastic. What is something I enjoy? Like, I really enjoy this one show on Netflix. I'm going to put it on for 30 minutes. That's going to be my treat to myself today for doing that one thing. Or and you can find different ways to do this. I would highly recommend avoiding, like, actual food treats for these things. <laughs> um, but finding you know finding that that little spark of joy for accomplishing those smaller goals even as silly I know that sounds so silly and people are probably gonna say like why just put on shoes that's ridiculous but it's those little small things that start building you down that path that you want to go down with any goal and you can break down any goal into that those smaller bite-sized pieces. Celebrate every success with a beer. That's what I heard you say. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, sure. and you know, I have met marathon runners. I'm not talking about wussy marathon runners, 126 uh, miles, 26.5 miles. Yeah. I'm talking about those marathon runners that run 120 miles. The ultra marathoners, yeah. Yeah. They drink a half a case of beer in that process. I wouldn't doubt it. The carbohydrates and... Right. Yeah. I, I I would have a very hard time doing it. I really would. Just the carbonation and okay. And 
who in their right mind thinks it's a good idea to run 120 miles? That's just stupid. <laughs> it gets addictive, though. I mean, and that's part of the habit. It's kind of sad, and it goes back to that tweet. You know, I, I'm i not doing it. I'm not going and walking necessarily because I enjoy it. I'm doing it for the dog. And why why is it we... We can't do things for ourselves. We always look at what can we do for somebody else. And so that's my strategy is I'm helping the dog because the dog needs to run off all its energy. Margie, is that her positive reinforcement that we talked about earlier? I don't think so. It's sounding like it's not something you enjoy or you need to find what you enjoy about it. Uh, You know, one of those two things, stick with it. Shailene, that was really what I enjoyed was listening to her podcast, the first go around. This has been like four years ago. Um, And just, you know, I mean, I felt better afterwards, of course, but listening to someone give you positive reinforcement, um, not just for health and wellness, I was listening from a business perspective because she has a lot of podcasts about businesses and running businesses. Um, and that, that was my, I think, enjoyment that came from it. There you go. Um, that, and I didn't have to listen to the dog bark. (laughs) See, and that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking too, is, is there a way you can build out that, you know, what is something you enjoy? I love listening to books on audio, audio books. And so I treat myself during my walks with audiobooks. Otherwise, I'm not walking. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. just not. Uh, uh, no, I'm, I thought I was going to have to go to a walk. I do have to go to a walk pretty quick. <laughs> we'll go now. Neogen, okay. creating the opportunity to give you more information about the DNA fingerprint. It was that dead stare look from both of them. I was like, are you going to do something here, Trent? <laughs> I'm going to talk about Neogen and looking at the genomics of animals. I actually had a fantastic conversation earlier today with Greg Ibaugh, undersecretary of the USDA, and the comment period for animal biotechnology is open to move it from the FDA jurisdiction over to the USDA. And that is completely separate, actually, from what we're talking about when we look at genomics. We're actually looking at the genetics that are present. We're not altering anything, just taking a look at what genetics are there, what alleles could possibly be passed on to the offspring. It's about improving the overall efficiency and health risk associated with raising animals. And speaking of your dog, Jenny, you could actually do a DNA profile of your dog and learn that it really didn't come from a rescue. It came from Mexico. That's what you could learn. Get more details about Neogen on the web, neogen.com, shining a light on your genetic future. We'll be back with more Shinerbach 101 discussions after this. Always a freedom fighter. Welcome back to Roll Route, Trent Lewis, alongside the final. This is the final segment of 2020, Jenny, right here. It's actually the final Roll Route Thursday. Because after today, this segment on Thursdays is going to be called Roll Route, We the People. And we have some goals that are set around that. Because it is about everyone and bringing guests as we have the last nine months.
from all walks of life, mm-hmm. but also, you know, enforcing the fact that we have to do the work. We cannot continue to rely on our government. We need to rely on our community. Uh, and that was a great message that uh, Daniel Hatfield brought to us last week, two weeks ago. No, it was last week. Time. No, last week. Um, so that that's kind of the backbone behind we the people. Um, so we'll be introducing that next Thursday. I'm really excited. (laughs) It is all about empowering people. And that's really kind of what we're talking about here. Yeah. Taking control of your personal health, also taking control of your political health. It it, it cannot be relied upon somebody in Washington, DC. I don't care how big of a fan you are of Donald Trump. He's not in charge of your life. You are. And you need to control it locally. You need to control your health locally. And you need to be an active part of your community. Because it is all about we the people. Mm -hmm. And starting small and just as you were talking about when it comes to health and working up to larger pieces, you know, um, I guess this is a New Year's resolution for me. It's more of a goal. It's something that I've wanted to do for a long time. I'm going to go through the classes because I want to become an EMT for our community. Mm. Actually, I want to be a firefighter, but I don't live within city limits, so I can't be. You you have to have a rural rural fire district. um, Somebody services you in the rural area. Are it's we have two it's two towns that come through everything, um, and really I guess where we saw it last year, my son was in a terrible accident and there was not an ambulance available to come. Twenty minutes, and in the middle of that, an accident happened occurred. Um, we just, I think that, you know, if you are in a rural area, that is one area where people are needed, volunteers are needed. So that was, you know, the inspiration behind what I'm going to do. So how many firefighters are there in the United States, Jenny? I do not know that. 1.1 million. Wow. How many of those are volunteer firefighters? That's what I was just going to ask you. 67% are volunteers just helping their community in a time of need. I like it. And it sounds like you've already decided this is, you're doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Just find a way. Yeah. Yeah. And and when we, if we eventually move to my in-laws, it is right at the edge of town. So that may enable me to do the firefighting portion, but for now, EMT classes. There you go. I think both of those are in dire need of people that are willing to put their time in. EMT, I mean, any rural area is dependent upon those volunteers. And I applaud you for seeking any avenue along those lines. Well, and even if it is a fire, I mean, you've got EMT that come because the firefighters need water. You know, they need backup, you know, medical care in some cases. So, um yeah, I would just encourage anyone to think about it, consider it, because it's something that is really needed right now in rural areas, especially. Most cities, though, are paid, right? 
I assume most cities are. I don't see my uh, firefighting buddy from Texas on here. Brandon Bancroft is a firefighter for Texas. He's a paid firefighter. But I think most cities are. It's just interesting how that happens. Where does that money come from? And why why don't rural areas get the same amount of money cities have? Is it taxes? Taxpayers. 100% taxes. Amount of taxpayers. Yeah. yeah. But is it, ta- is it allocation of those taxpayers' money? Just more of them, I'd assume, in that square footage. Yeah, it's like if you have San Antonio, you have X number of people relying upon a firefighting crew. They, they just, there's so, you increase incidents. It's that simple. In Sherman County, Nebraska, you have 3,000 people and the number of incidents are significantly less. No way in a county like mine could you afford to have one full time paid firefighter, let alone a crew. Right, right. And, and I also think there's something to people that you're more invested in your community when you participate in volunteer efforts like that. Right. Right. And I think that that's another benefit is, you know, I am back in a community that I haven't been in for 18 years. And even though it's not that far from where we live, um, you know, eight years is a lot of time and I don't necessarily recognize people. I may know names and things like that, but this is another way to get involved in the community because that's not something that we can do at the schools right now. Yeah. So find a way. So are, are we, how are we doing on time? We're okay. But I was going to, Margie, she lives mm-hmm. in tornado alley. I mean, there's, <laughs> 12 tornadoes a year come right through where she lives. I assure you that those firefighters are spend more time dealing with tornado issues than anything else in in your part of Oklahoma. Oh, I'm sure. I I don't really know because we also have the high wind factors. So fires and stuff like that. I'm sure that does get quite a bit, but yeah, tornadoes for sure. At least the big ones that when those happen, man, it is, you know, full time effort of our firefighters. And so I commend the job of the more firefighting teams here. And I'm sure your community steps up as well. Absolutely. I think the whole of Oklahoma steps up when things like that happen. It's just kind of embedded in the nature of Oklahomans that we're, we're pretty tough. We stick together and we take care of one another when things like that happen. And when more that really bad 2013 tornado happened, it was about a mile down the road from our house. And, um, it was, my husband couldn't get back to the house for like three days. We weren't, uh, we were just dating at the time. And he was basically, he slept in his car the first night, but then had, you know, a couple of friends put him up, but the whole community was down trying to help to the point where they just said, please stop coming to try to help. We, We need to get people back to their homes. We need to sort stuff out. And it's too many people trying to help. And that's just Oklahoma. I mean, it happens everywhere. That happened when we had, um, what year was that? We had the massive tornado that went through Washington and it was literally a street over from my brother and sister-in-law and my nephew and niece. And Washington, Illinois, I assume you're talking. Washington, Illinois. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but there was a church, one of the major churches kind of took 
over as kind of the home place for organizing everything, but it was chaos in the beginning. And yeah, yeah, it was, it was just insane. Uh, uh, So let me turn that a little bit because we think you think about that more and everybody in the nation watched what was happening and more. And I have friends I did not personally go. I had friends that went to help from around here. What would our community be like if we didn't have those times of crisis? It's really interesting. I think we see some of that today, right? Where right when things come too easy, you take it all for granted. And and yeah, I'm I'm going to give you one. I'm arguing. I want you to respond. I'm going to give you one example. You get on a plane, and you fly somewhere today, and people want to just do their book on tape, like pretend they're running three miles, right? Instead of talk to you and have a conversation. But if you've ever been on a plane that has a, a crisis, whatever level that crisis is, and the plane doesn't fly, I'll give you a, a two. I have two great examples. Somebody that I keep in contact with uh, in Indiana, we sat down on a plane together. The plane didn't fly. Long story short, we ended up renting renting a car and driving two hours instead of taking the little flight from Chicago to uh, uh, where's the home? Uh, South Bend. Well, we would have never communicated, and we ended up riding in a rental car together and went to Whole Foods and had this great conversation. I had her on the radio for an hour while we're driving. It just turns into this great relationship. I'm in uh, flying out of Denver to Arizona. Plane gets delayed. We all get put up in a hotel. The next morning, people are talking to each other. I had Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's nephew on that plane. And we ended up in this great conversation and you talk to people that you would have never, you you have a shared crisis and it creates this bond and our communities around tornadoes or fire. It's the same thing. And and I think that at some level they're essential. Mm -hmm. I talk talk about this in uh, my spin class today. It's uh, you know, people kind of bulk when there's a challenge Mm -hmm. they're like, I wish it was just easier than this. Or a lot of people say, I'm, I'm so sorry. We're going through this challenging time. And, and COVID is kind of, or 2020 people rag on 2020 a little bit. Um, In some ways, even though that we are pretty separate and distant from one another, we've also come together a little bit in this time. And I know it doesn't feel that way, but it, it has been one of those situations where there's been a little bit of a crisis. There's been some challenges. There's been some tough times. And part of getting better or part of coming together is going through those tough times and embracing it a little bit, getting uncomfortable. Um, that could include taking off that headset and talking to somebody. That could include going on and doing something difficult or challenging for yourself. But I do agree with you, Trent. I think that the community aspect really doesn't happen until you start to get out there. And, and that was one beautiful thing that came out of COVID for, for our neighborhood in particular was we got to know all of our neighbors, especially down the street that I live. Um, people that we had not talked to prior to COVID, all of a sudden we're best friends with them and with their kids even. And their kids now see us as like aunts and uncles and that, you know, that's just something that's so beautiful and so community building that came out of COVID that I, I can't really be mad about at all. I, you know, I, I think that people drag on 2020 and they like to get down about what happened this year, say it was a bad year, but I don't see it as a bad year at all. 
I see that as the springboard for what is going to come in 2021 here and in life. Thank you, Margie. Thank you, Jenny. We've journeyed down the road connecting rural and urban America. We all three remind you that all roads do lead to a rural route.